Turn your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Reading three verses, verse 22 through 24. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's word this morning. I read these verses a couple of months ago, but it's a totally different direction and message I believe the Lord's given me. Do you know God knew who would be here today? And I believe I have the word of the Lord for this house this morning, Acts 20, verse 22 through 24. Paul said, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things which will befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither I count my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. I want you to see that. So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the grace of God. You may be seated in God's presence this morning. For him to say that I might finish implies that others will not. For him to say that I want to finish with joy implies that others will finish sour or bitter. As believers, we all have the same calling, but not the same assignments. We all have spiritual gifts, but not the same giftings. We all have responsibilities, but not the same level of responsibility. We all have similar limitations, but are all called to fulfill God's expectation of us. We as believers have begun in faith and are sojourning here below until heaven is our home. But along the way, we have many opportunities, many assignments, many ambitions, many commitments. And some we ignore completely. Others were accepted but soon forgotten. Some were tackled head on until something unexpected derailed us. And others today are fading in their strength. Know this, that if finishing was easy, more people would finish. John, do you hear the echo part or is it just me and my clogged up ears? Do y'all hear it? It's like a, Lord help me, something going on in my head. Knowing this, that if finishing was easy, more people would finish. If finishing is hard, then what about finishing well? In the end, finishing is very simple. It's a choice. Nothing more and nothing less. A decision that simplifies it down to one sentiment. As long as I have breath, I am going forward. We as Christians, if we stand in the faith, we are swimming against the current every day, all day. I, I'm becoming more keenly aware that the more I know, the harder it is. If you have eyes to see, then you see all that's going on. If you have a, a soul that feels, then you feel the burden and pain all around you. If you have ears that hear, you hear the bad news coming from every corner. If you're engaged... With this world and the Spirit of God, if you're engaged, if you're fighting the good fight of faith, 
If your light is shining, if your salt is preserving, if you're seeing others and meeting the need and you're spending your life, you are going to experience fatigue, physical fatigue somewhat, emotional fatigue more so, and spiritual fatigue that feels like a blanket being draped over you. The Bible speaks of this type of fatigue. It says, if you are wearied with the footmen running with the people, what are you going to do when the horses begin to run? And we need strength today. We need tenacity. We need, uh, I've never had one, but I heard there's quite a kick to a vitamin B12 shot. I may have to get me one in my neck. Just go straight in. We need heaven to give us something from above, to reach something inside of us that gives us the perspective, the clarity, the power, the enablement to settle once and for all where it would be an attitude of mind that says, as long as I'm breathing, I'm going forward. Not only am I not turning back, I'm not sitting down, I'm not laying down, I'm not rolling over, I'm on my way to Zion, the beautiful city of Zion. I'm on my way home. Strength to finish. Anyone can start. Anyone can start in their faith. Anyone can start in their assignment. Anyone can start in their ministry. But to finish, and to finish well, and to finish with joy. Several years ago, my daughter Kylie asked me, uh, just an impromptu question, many days her, she will come over on a Sunday or Haley will come over and we just talk Christian to Christian, dad to daughter. And she said, uh, dad, what, what are you most proud of in ministry? And without ever even thinking, it was like a reflex. I said, I didn't quit. And someone needs to hear this message this morning. And by God's grace for a few moments, I'm going to do my best, not a pep rally, but I want you to leave with an attitude like, I, like just charge hell with a water pistol. <laughs> with gasoline drawers on, just ready to go. Strength. God, I pray for the ability this morning to encourage. I pray for the ability, oh Lord, by your anointing to inspire, to motivate, to create within us momentum, oh Lord. That's it, divine momentum. It will feel like we've pushed past that beginning block and we've made up our mind that he that hath begun the good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let there be that infusion of life and power, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I speak to you this morning on the subject of finishing, first and foremost, I'm speaking of your faith, finishing your faith from conception through maturation to the end when we are clothed with immortality and we are glorified. But having said that, all over this room, some of you have started things. You've started things in the natural realm. You've started a family. You've started school. You've started a commitment to God. You've started a ministry. You're, you're in the prisons or you're, or, or you're feeding the hungry or clothing the naked. And if God has not released you, 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 you need to know that you can't quit. You can't just quit. And there comes a time in every life where quit looks good where mountains seem unclimbable and rivers seem uncrossable and you just can't see your way past. And that's the problem. We're trying to see our way past instead of seeing 
ourselves in 24-hour compartments. And Ben said, if this is the day the Lord has made, then he made it with me in mind. And he's given me capacity. Okay, number one, to finish something, you must start. We know that about being a Christian, you must be born again, but you must start. And God does not grant you the luxury of maturity before you begin. When he asks you to do something, you look at yourself and say, I'm not sure if I'm ready to pastor a group of women in the prison. He goes, yeah, you are. But Lord, how about, I'm not ready to go into ministry or be a youth pastor. I'm not, I'm not ready to start a church. Prime candidate. Do you know I started Christ Chapel 21 years ago with one sign in the newspaper about that big and said, thank you for welcoming us to your neighborhood. All welcome. That was it. That was it. Young pastors will invite me to lunch and they'll bring their notebook and pad and say, I just want to talk to you about starting a church. And I said, oh, <laughs> you think I had a plan? <laughs> they go, yeah. Like demographic study? Mm-mm. Neighborhood analysis or anything? Mm-mm. Dream team meeting? Mm-mm. Bible college? Mm-mm. Seminary? Mm-mm. And your next 20? No. But he called me to do something and I accepted and started. And once you start, or, or, or you have to start before you ever can finish, God won't allow you the luxury of getting everything together before you start. He, why is it do you think he starts with virgins to bring forth the Messiah? Because if you start with little or nothing and you begin in faith, then guess who gets all the glory? Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be prepared. As a matter of fact, if you're about to start a church, I'll help you get prepared. Please don't take the way I did. But having said that, we're not relying on the preparation. You have to begin. Oh, I used to say, man, I hear Ben, you know, just, just play and play. And with all his giftingness, he'll have to answer to God for it. Not me with all that gift. But I said, oh, I used to say, oh, I'd love to play the piano. And I felt the Lord convict me. He said, no, you don't. Because if you wanted to play the piano, you'd play the piano. If you just digest that. It'll change your Christian life. Stop talking about what you want to do that you're not willing to do. And you start and then you make yourself vulnerable. I'm going to learn to play the piano. And now Facebook, with all of its horrible side effects, oh, it'll make you accountable. Because someone will remember, they'll just post one day about three months later, how's the piano coming? How's your diet coming? And then you just block. <laughs> Don't remind me of my promises. Listen, stop being intimidated. You can start right where you are, just as you are with what you have, knowing that God will not call you to do something without giving you everything necessary to complete the assignment. Second Corinthians 9, 8, one of my most favorite verses and God is able to make all a grace, all grace abound toward you that you having all sufficiency in all things can abound to every good work. There is a grace available to you by God to make any God honoring change in your life. There is grace available to you to make any God honoring change in your life. If you don't like your life, change it. God invites you upward and onward. If you want to make a God-honoring change in your life, 
What are you waiting on? God does not do magic. He waits to see your foot touch the Jordan River before he opens it. He waits to see you go forward and stand out on nothing and say, I believe there's a grace available to do all that you have in your heart for God. That was why I started in ministry. It wasn't that I felt the strongest compulsion at first. It's I just had in my heart, I wanted to make up for lost time and offer my life back to him. There's a grace available for people like you and I who are not qualified. The grace to launch out, the grace to persevere, the grace to go forward, the grace to be vulnerable, and the grace to win. There is a grace for every season, every battle, every narrow place, and every insufficiency. Grace to forgive, grace to begin again, to hope again, to laugh again, to love again, and live again. Grace to go where you've never gone, grace to do what you've never done, and grace to be who you've always wanted to be. But before you start, make sure that what you're aiming for is yours. Make sure it's allowable or attainable. And if it is, do so in faith, knowing that with God, anything is possible. We love the idea of change. We love the idea of new. And we love the idea of challenge. But we're not so much in love with the act of following through on it. Some people were in love with the idea of marriage. And then they married catfish. And the act of preferring one another and serving one another. Some people are in love with the idea of going to college until you get there. And then you realize these people are serious up in here. And homework, the, the, the notion of homework takes on a whole new meaning. They don't care if you do it or not. You're paying them a hundred grand a year. They don't care if you do it. And the idea of education is one thing, but then... You go to school. The idea of nursing, I'll get one even better than that. The idea of being a parent, till you bring home Bubba. And Bubba likes to sleep in the daytime. The idea of weight loss, the idea of start your own business. How many self employed people? All right, I don't ever do this. Self employed or own your own business. I'm going to make you my best friend because I are too one of you. Stand up for me just a minute. All the self-employed and start your own business. Okay. May I just preach your sermon for you? Oh, you own your own business. It must be nice being your own boss. It must be. Take a number. You want to start a church? Now serving number one. <laughs> Go right ahead. Just, come on. just start. Oh, yeah. I would just love to be my own boss. You would? Have you heard that all your life? right? But till you're vulnerable and you can be seated, you can step out, hire employees that Jesus wouldn't hire. I just would love to have my own business. Jump on. We, as Christians, we love the idea of stuff without acting on it. We love the idea of being powerful in the Lord and not willing to deny ourselves to obtain that power. We love the idea of being knowledgeable in the word without sitting at a table and reading the word. That's why we gravitate towards this false transference of power. Come on down. Evangelist, pastor, bishop, cardinal, arch cardinal John Woods here and he'll put his hands on you and you can have it. You know why we like that mess? Because it don't cost you nothing. 
Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? We're in love with the idea of ministry without doing ministry. The idea of giving without giving. The idea of making a difference without making a difference. Here's what the Bible says in Psalms for the righteous man. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Not think, not pray, do. So if something in your heart that God's put in your heart to do for the Lord Jesus, just start doing it and you'll prosper. Do it with limited amounts. Don't dream big, dream faithful. Just start. Start where you are. Start in an office park. Start in your home. You have a heart for unwed mothers and you want to build a house and you can't build a house? Bring one into your house. Start where you are. You can't finish without starting. If you're not content with your life, all you need is an invitation or permission or a desire from God to change it. And God never forces us to do anything. He simply creates a desire for it. We primarily change in three ways. When we learn enough that we want to, when we heard enough that we have to, or when we hunger enough that we choose to. I want to say that again. We'll primarily change or we'll do things for God when we learn enough that we want to, when we hurt enough that we have to, and when we hunger enough that we choose to. I've used this illustration before, but it's just so good. I want to use it again. I love going to Sam's. Sam's is my favorite store in the world. I hate it that there's no quick way to get to it. It's hard getting there from here to Sam's. And oh Lord, just put a Sam's right out here in front of the church. That'd be wonderful. Not Costco, not Costco, Sam's. And I, I, I don't like Saturdays at Sam's because crazy people go on Saturday. But when I find myself there on, I guess it's Saturday, it's feed them Saturday or whatever. And sometimes they'll have really good stuff. People go there for meals. They bring a family of eight kids. And by the time they run the circuit, that's dinner. You got a bite of lasagna. You got some shaved ice. You got, you know, uh, a little Debbie and all that. By the time you get done, that's it, baby. Y'all done had supper. So they, they're done. But there's, there's, there's wisdom in what they're doing. And they killed me. They killed me one day with pepper bacon. Thick. You walk in the store. Good Lord, where's that at? And they cook this pepper bacon and it's as thick as about three credit cards thick. And they're cooking it and they cut it with scissors. And a little toothpick on there. And I followed my nose. I forgot what I was shopping for. I went around all the Sam's. Shaved ice, lasagna, French bread. Oh, there we go. Hey, how you doing? Thank you. You bite it. And, you know, first of all, it's about as big as your thumbnail. Thank you, sister. I think I love you. <laughs> and since you're a Christian, you know, you don't want to be selfish. So I've been known to take my coat off and go back around. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> oh, I got twins too over here in the corner. I got twins. You think I'm kidding. I've been known to put a coat on from the men's section and go back. But do you know what they know? Oh, I have put the coat on and go back to the men's, but I fold it and put it, put it back. 
And you know what they did to me? I went in not knowing I had a need for bacon. I left with eight, two four-pound packages glued together. I left with several. You know, Sam's, you don't go with a bag. You come out with a dolly. You're pulling stuff on a dolly. Daddy, what are we having for lunch? Bacon is what we're having. And you know what they know that the Lord knows? Watch. Watch. I'm not trying to just be funny. I'm, I'm really setting you up for this. God knows if I can get you just to taste purpose. If I can get you just to taste. If I can just get you to taste being what it tastes like to lead someone in worship. You didn't know you needed it. If I can get you to taste starting something for the glory of the Lord, you'll be back. As a matter of fact, once you taste fruitfulness, there's levels of serving the Lord. And I'm not saying they're higher, they're different, different categories. When I first started, I looked for effectiveness. And I say this very humbly because I am the least of all the people in this church. I, I truly think so. I know, I know no high estimation of myself at all. I struggle the other way. But sometimes when I'm preaching, I feel his pleasure. I feel him just enjoying me. And that, the world doesn't, can't touch that. And I said all that to say this on the first point. It's kind of like a, a mini sermon. You got to do it. If it's in your heart, you just got to start and stop worrying about what everyone thinks about your beginning package. It doesn't matter if you just go, yes, Lord, a uh, yes, Lord changes everything. Start. Just start. To finish well, you have to start. Number two, and there's only three this morning, by the way. To finish something well, you must continue. Am I not the most profound preacher you've ever listened to? <laughs> Listen to these encouragements from the Lord. John 8, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you continue in my word, which means some will not continue in my word. John 15, 9, continue in my love. Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas persuaded the Gentiles to continue in the grace of God. Acts 14, 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. Colossians 4, continue in prayer and watch the same with thanksgiving. Some of us, our problem is we started well, but we have not continued well. You're supposed to continue in faith, nothing wavering. Continue in your determination, your boldness, and your confidence. Who robbed you of your confidence? Is God with you? If God's with you, don't worry about success in the eyes of men. God rewards faithfulness, not success as men see. I heard people say all the time, well, if the Lord's with you, it'll work. That's not in no Bible. Moses, take the people to Canaan. Yes, Lord. Did he make it? Did they make it? Sometimes you're calling. You are limited by the people you're taking. Ministry is like a tour bus driver. You can only go as fast as the last person in the toilet. Uh, let's go, come on. 
We're so worried about looking successful in the eyes of people that we never start for fear of their opinion of our success or lack of success. Are y'all cold enough in here? I just had a, a stalactite form right here. I don't, I just, I went to wiping and it goes tink. Lord, we do thank you for air conditioning. Don't take it from us. We, we need it, but it's just, that was good. We're good. So are you continuing in gratitude? Is there anything you hate in your children worse than ingratitude? And is there anything else that God hates worse than yours? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That ought to be your most common phrase. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for my food, God, my car, my babies, my wife, my health. Oh, God, thank you for a roof. Thank, thank, thank you, Lord. One of the reasons we've lost our zest for life is we've lost awareness for the life we have. Are you continuing abounding in thanksgiving? When my girls are thankful, it makes me want to give them everything. And when they're ungrateful, it makes me not ever want to give them anything again. Continue, even if you're confused. See, there's some in this room, and I, this is going to be just like a, a buckshot. There might be just one or two points that apply to you, but I believe the Lord's going to speak to everyone here today. There's some that are continuing, but they're confused. God, I thought if I did this for you, you would have done this. And the devil loves to attack people that are continuing while confused. John the Baptist stood out on the hills of Judea and he said, behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. I baptize you indeed with water, but he cometh and he's going to baptize you with the Holy spirit and with fire. He must increase, but I must decrease. And he pointed, that's the one, that's the one. And then Jesus's ministry ascended and John the Baptist got thrown into prison and while he was in prison, you got to see that it didn't work out like he thought it was going to work out. And he asked his disciples, he said, go ask Jesus, is he really the Messiah or should I look for another? And you may be thinking that this morning. God, here I am doing all I know to do for you. I stepped out. I pointed others to you. I did, and I wind up in prison. Your, your banner would read, I never saw this coming. So the disciples came and asked Jesus, they said, John the Baptist wanted us to ask you, are you the Messiah or should he look for another? He said, you go tell John the Baptist the things that you see, how the deaf hear and the lame walk and the blind see and the poor have the gospel preached to him and tell John, blessed is the man that's not offended in me. What does that mean? He goes, tell him to finish good. He's on the last lap. Tell him to finish good. So they went back and told John the Baptist, Jesus said, don't be offended. Finish good, John, finish good. And then watch, here's the part you need to hear because you don't hear it. Jesus turned to the crowd, not to John, but turned to the crowd and he goes, what'd you come out to see? A, a king clothed in luxurious garments? He was talking about John. He said, mm -mm. He said never hath been born a man of woman greater than that man. 
So we do not find our value in circumstances, but in what the Lord says over us. What the Lord says over us. And so for that one that's confused, are you in his will? I have learned that I can be in his will and still not get, and by confused, you say, God's not the author of confusion. No, but he allows it to work. And when the lights go out, you just know that, did you declare me to be Messiah? Yes. Did you decrease so that I might increase? Yes. Then John, just don't, don't lose it on the last lap. Continue. Here's what I'm trying to say. Don't forget in the darkness what you knew in the light. Continue after failure, after divorce, after backsliding, after crimes, after being a bad father or a bad mother, a bad husband or a bad wife, after being a thief. Don't let your failure eclipse the plans of God for your life because your Lord is a savior and he not only saves us from our sins, he saves us from our failures. The kingdom of God is filled with failures that continue past their failure. You have to own your failure. We don't blame it on our parents or the government or the schools. We own our failure, but after that, we can't die there. You say, I am a failure. I failed here, period. So may we go to the next chapter built upon the grace of God for my failure. And you continue on. Continue after burying someone or something. When you lose the irreplaceable person. When you lose the thing you never thought you would lose, whether it was companionship or a child. I can't imagine, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand, those that have buried their children. I've seen them at the graveside and said, no man should die before his baby dies. Or no baby should die before their father dies. How, how do you go forward when you bury your spouse of 30 or 40 years? And see, the devil, he is strategic. Paul said, don't be ignorant of his devices. He knows how you tick. He knows how you're wired. And he throws different things at different people. By that, I mean, he highlights it. He blows on the flame to make it come up. Can you imagine as a pastor wearing the divorce necklace? Can you imagine the guilt and the condemnation and the, and the second guessing? So, okay, preacher, let me get this right. You're going to preach to us what didn't work for you. And he knows how to blow on that. He knows how to, to weaken you strategically to try to bring you down. And for some of us, it's the loss of something or the failure of something. And he says, you can't make it. Do you remember the story in the Bible of Jacob, how he loved Rachel so much? This is love here. He worked seven years with no pay for the opportunity to marry Rachel. She must have been fine. I mean... Seven weeks, she would be fine. <laughs> Seven years. And back then, now, you know, they don't have light switches in Georgia Power. He goes into the tent. It's dark, close. He wakes up with her sister. That ain't in no Bible. Read Genesis. He woke up to ugly Leah. 
Seriously, he rolled over. Oh, my goodness. That, that's just a whole nut. Some things you just, it's hard to preach around them. So he goes back to Laban, you know, excuse me, could I have a word? Uh, we agreed for Rachel and uh, I just spent the evening getting to know Leah here. And he, oh, yeah, well, in our customs, we give the older daughter first. It'll cost you seven more years for Rachel. And he said, yes. So 14 years, seven of which married to Leah, he waits for Rachel. Is it safe to say that she was irreplaceable to him? And it says that on the way to Ephrata, Jacob buried Rachel. Ephrata means fruitfulness. And somewhere along the journey, he lost his person. Don't raise your hands, but where are you? You lost the parent you couldn't live without or the grandparent you couldn't live without or the child that you never had and something. And the devil says, you can't make it. Jacob continued after losing the irreplaceable thing. You need to continue through abandonment, continue through betrayal, continue through loss, continue through disappointments. I, I know you think I might be exaggerating this point, but disappointment, in my opinion, is one of the hardest things. It means disappointment. They didn't make the appointment. You had expectations of something and it doesn't happen. Disappointment, it's like being hit in the stomach over and over again to where you can't catch your breath. And the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible said she had spent everything she owned trying to find healing and got none better. So listen to this. Everything. She owned nothing and got no better. She was in perpetual disappointment, but she continued. Make sure that you don't sit down and die feet away from the glory of God. The Bible says that she said to herself, her broke self, her friendless self, her strengthless self. She said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And this woman who had had a constant menstrual cycle for years, which means blood flowed from her body and the life being in the blood, she was bleeding out for years. There is no way she could work her way through a crowd of men physically. I, I just don't see it. Now, I wouldn't build a doctrine out of this. I believe she crawled. I believe she crawled through the legs of people. And she got right up to Jesus where he was teaching and on her belly, I believe she reached out and just nicked his garment. And immediately the blood dried up and she was whole. And Jesus felt virtue come out of him. He said, who touched me? And the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Look at all this crowd around you. Uh-uh, somebody touched me with faith. I felt power come out of me. She said, it was me. Had she stopped this far, it would have been as if she never left her house. You can't quit. Even in your disappointment. If you're disappointed, don't lie. People who have never buried anyone or lost anything or never spent all they had, their, their advice is bristly to us. Because they tell you just, you know, uh, just pull yourself up by your bootstrap. And there are no bootstraps. 
If I was you, I'd quit. You can't listen to these people. You can't let them tell you what to do. You just continue on and say to yourself, if I just continue, if I reach the Lord, he'll change this situation. Continue in spite of what is missing. I wish I had time to do all of these. Continue in spite of the naysayers, those that say you can't do it. What does their opinion matter? What does it matter to you that someone who's never done what you're going to do tells you you can't do it? Who are they? They are people that want you to stay in their level of mediocrity and uselessness. Because if you do something great with your life or something great for the name of Jesus Christ, then it's going to shine a light on their life that they spent on themselves. That is good. Buying my own CD now. Continue in spite of opposition. Continue irregardless of the season. Continue though you're in a long plateau. I felt this quicken to me this morning as I was preparing. There's someone here by odds, but I felt specifically to tell you, it's like you're on this long plateau where nothing's changing and nothing's changing and there's no change on the horizon as far as you can see, but just continue. And Elisha's servant came back and said, there is no cloud. He said, look again. And he came back seven times, look again, look again. And then finally he came back and said, there's a cloud the size of a man's hand. He goes, that's what I was waiting on. You don't have to have change on the horizon for there to be change on the horizon. Don't quit. Whatever you do, that's what I feel the spirit of the Lord speaking to me. You got to continue, continue in spite of your weakness, continue in spite of your limitations and continue in spite of the odds. Don't let Goliath intimidate you. That thing that stands in front of you as if God didn't exist and mocks you in your faith. Don't be intimidated by the thing or the person or the devil from hell that tells you I'm going to feed you to the beast of the field as if he didn't know that you were God's elect. I love that David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. You come to me all big. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he took that small stone and with precision accuracy right between the metal garments of that helmet on his head and sunk. I love the King James said sunk into his forehead. That means that's a bad day when a stone sinks into your head and that giant fell all the way back and David hovered over him. Picture you and whatever that giant is that intimidates you. He walked over to him with all of Philista on this side and all of Israel on this side and took his own sword. Not David's sword, Goliath's sword. And cut his head off and held it up to the people of Israel. And revival started in Israel with the exploits of a shepherd. I also submit to you when he cut his head off, he shut up. I just, just an idea. If you count the odds though, and you look at David and Goliath, you go, well, he can't win. And that's why we're anemic because we see as man sees, but there was something besides David's sling. There was the will of God. There was the intentions of God. There was the purpose of God and the decree of God. And you'll never convince me that God didn't get behind that rock and go. As a matter of fact, Uh, just think with me. Was that the turning point in David's life where Israel 
took notice of him, where Saul took notice of him. And he come back to town and the ladies were singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David had killed his. David ain't killed but one. Could it be that God birthed Goliath for the sole purpose of introducing David to Israel? He raised up this big old boy. He was born, you know, some baby, my baby's seven pounds, my baby's eight. Mine's 16, seven. <laughs> Great day. That's it for her. She, no more babies. I believe that God birthed him and raised him up for the sole purpose of David killing him to introduce David to Israel. And you thought that giant was the devil's work. You don't know what you got in you till you kill a giant. Continue. Even if you're hurting, continue. Even if you're limping, continue in joy and continue in expectation. The last one on number two. And by the way, number three is a lot shorter than number two. To continue with expectation is the evidence of victory. David said, I'd almost fainted. I almost quit. But I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So what are you saying, David? I'm saying the thing that kept me going when I couldn't go was I had an expectation that I would with my eyes see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Expectation is the fuel of the believer. And see, the world looks on and says, we're naive. The carnal Christian looks on and says, we're fanatical. But we understand that expectation eventually leads to realization. And when it doesn't happen around the next corner, you say, well, maybe the next corner, Lord. Maybe the next corner. David said, I almost quit, but I believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For those of you that are in mid-pursuit of whatever it is the Lord called you to do or has given you the responsibility to do, or the opportunity to do. Here's your word. If you ever come to church wanting a word from the Lord. Here it is. Continue. Continue. Keep on. Keeping on. Even if it isn't pretty. Continue. And lastly. Number three. You probably know. If one is start. And one is continue. Then the other has to be finish well. If you want to finish well. Then finish well. Ben if you'd come please. Ben, you can use the front steps here today. You did so good this morning. You just come right up here. Just quick. It just takes so long. Yeah, y'all on him this morning. To finish something well, you must finish it well. I believe this is the most powerful part of the message here. And I hope it creates a responsibility in us, a resolve mixed with God's word, mixed with our own spirit. And this is what I want to share. You must finish because God will not do it for you. I can prove it. God will not make you be a good parent. God will not make you be a good employee. God will not make you be a good spouse. God will not make you start a ministry or finish a ministry. If you're going to finish well, God will not do it for you. You must do it. 
Now, God's going to finish the redemption. But we're talking about the things you've taken upon yourself to do and be. You must finish because no one else can do it in your place. You can't worship for me. You can't study for me. You can't pray for me. What you did this morning, you can't give for me. You can't serve for me. You can't teach for me. You can't disciple for me. You can't love for me. You must do it for yourself. You can't say, well, our church does. You have to be part of the our church that does it. You must finish because of the vows you made to God. On everyone to look at me, everybody. What were the things that you said in private to the Lord? Some of us struck deals. God doesn't make deals, but he takes us up on our promises. Lord, I just want to give my life to you. I, Lord, if you do this for me, I'll, God, I know you're asking me to do this. Your vows are upon you. They're recorded in heaven. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not hanging pastoral manipulation over you. Your vows, not what I said. What did you tell him in the secret place? There are people in this room that said, I will give you my life. And you took it back. Lord, I'll give you my life for ministry. And you don't minister. See, you to finish, you got to do it. God won't do it for you. No one else can do it for you. And he remembers your promises. You must finish because what God has spoken to you. And what he said over you in the, in the hearing of other people. He spoke things to my spirit and spoke over me in congregations of his plans for me. And if I act like I don't have those plans, they're there nonetheless. See, I have to be a preacher. Because I made commitments and he invited and he spoke things over me. Early on in my life, I had... Someone speak prophetically. And you know, I don't, I say that hesitantly because there's a lot of crazy stuff out there. But I had someone that didn't know me say, because of the great pain in your life, the great loss in your life, speaking of my earthly father's death, which they didn't know, they said, the Lord wants you to know that he's tempered you in the furnace of affliction. And he's given you a heart for people through the sorrow that you had. See, I remember those things. And I've got to finish because of the deposits he's made in me, the investments he's made, the things I've come through, the shapings. We must finish. We must finish because there are other people with the same callings, the same difficulties, the same opposition, the same impossibility, and they finished. They're the testimony against us if we don't. We're not the first single mama. We're not the first father that's been abandoned. We're not the first person that's lost. Other people were dealt the hand you were dealt and they built a life out of it. You have to finish because it's already proven that you can. You got to finish because of who's watching. The world, the church, the angelic realm, and the great cloud of witnesses. I just believe that there are moments when my earthly father gets to peak. I just, I just do. 
It's been 42 years since my daddy died. And I know you got similar stories. People in heaven. How many got people there waiting on you? I can't hear him, but it's like I can hear him sometimes in the court, in the, the balcony. Run, sugar. Johnny, finish. Man up, finish, finish, finish. See, we, we got to finish because the cloud of witnesses know what's ahead. They know that the only reward you'll have in heaven is the reward you earned here. Finish. The world's watching. They're waiting for us to fall. They're waiting for us to quit. They're waiting for us to stumble so that they can say, see, there is no God. We got to finish because of what's at stake. Eternal reward if you do and eternal shame if we don't. You have to finish because the only one who can keep you from finishing is you. I know in my heart, I know in my spirit, if the Lord were to open my spirit with a, a gift of the word of knowledge, I could just walk by and touch people and say, you're just so tired. You, you say to yourself, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And the Lord wanted me to share with you humbly this morning that he has already given you everything you need to finish. Just do it. Just do it. And the grace that saved you. You remember how it pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of God's dear son? The same God that delivered you, you think won't energize you to finish? My greatest fear is two things. Is that I would be deceived and that I wouldn't finish well. And I feel the Lord giving us liberty. I, I, I hear him telling us, yeah, you can, if you choose to. Now, this isn't for everybody. And this won't be a theatrical anything. But We like to respond in this church. We like to put a, a body with, okay, this was my message. And I am going to finish well. And with all that broad application, if that's you, I want you to come stand around this front. We're going to pray and go home. If that's you, come on. Of course, we all want to finish well, but if you were in the balance and you said, I've been struggling here with something or a, a calling, a ministry, my home, whatever, and I didn't know if I could finish well, and I, I want to stand in front of the Lord and say, I commit to you to finish well. Now, this is the most important part. I want you to pray loud enough for you to hear yourself. Don't think an idea. That's just thoughts or imagination. Talk to the Lord. Tell him, I want you to know, Lord, thus and so. Say it out loud. Tell him. This is in my heart, Lord. Glory to the Lord. Glory to the Lord. Let's pray for you both today. I pray that you would be aware of the grace.
trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Stand with the saints. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. And through it all, I've learned to depend upon His word. Yes, I've learned to depend upon His word. in the altar if you'd look this way for just a moment hey brother hey brother you know I don't know nothing about your past I don't, I don't know anything and if I'm wrong you just say Lord help him you know he, he just missed it you can make it with the missing piece with whatever's missing or whatever's lost you can make it Do you know what I'm talking about? There is nothing. There's nothing or no one that's left that can keep you from fulfilling the will of God in your life. You're going to finish. If you choose to, you're going to finish. Those in the altar, those in this building, this is what I want us to leave with. What kind of God would invite you to a destination and not equip you to get there? So where's the balance, John? You always got to give us balance. Bruised and finishing. Dragging a leg and finishing. War-torn. Disappointment. Disillusioned. Frustrated. Confused. But finishing. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you having all sufficiency in everything may abound to every good work. You're going to make it for one reason. One reason. You attach to the only thing that's going to make it. Final thought. Here's the visual. Little Elisha is just learning how to walk. Just he can walk now, but he's lazy. You have to hold his hands. But you know, when they learn, what's the greatest tool? What's the greatest? For Elisha, it may be food. I don't know. But what, you put their favorite person in front of them, like mama, and what's she do? Okay. Do you have the faith to see God saying, it's just a few more days. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you.